RadioInfluence.com Football fans, it's time to go on the record for this week's matches in pro and college football with just one catch. We're only interested in underdogs. Who can keep it close, if not pull the outright upset? Time to find out. It's Three Dog Thursday. Now here's your host, T.J. Reed. We are closing out the month of September. That is hard to believe that we have already been at it for four weeks of the college game, three weeks of the pro game, and the only digital radio show that is devoted exclusively to underdogs is back. I am your somewhat capable host. He is Kevin Rogers, senior handicapper, VegasInsider.com. Love his insight and the work that he gives us. Kevin on a roll right now in the NFL, hitting both of his games last week. Uh, also, uh, it seems to be riding the Buffalo Bills train at this point. We'll see if that continues here on the show. Kevin, good to have you. How are things? Good, good. A pretty good weekend last uh, weekend, not only on the show, but also on the site. Seven and three in college, and five and two, actually six and two in the NFL. They flew the Thursday night game with the 49ers. So it was pretty good. So I, I can't really complain. And hopefully now we've got a, a grasp of what's going on in both games. Yeah, I think so. We're trying to learn some things. We're also learning uh, who to stay away from and got, uh, which teams to uh, avoid in certain situations. By the way, you and I are doing very well. We're talking midweek. We're getting ready for Three Dog Thursday. We're a lot better than Rick Patino, Tom Jurich, and the Louisville Athletic Department right about now uh, after all of that mess and that chaos. Whenever the FBI is involved in any facet of sports, Kevin, it's not a good thing, is it? No, and you know that story coming down, you know, this week about college basketball and and all the improprieties going on, and obviously, Rick Pitino seemed like he was on his eleventh life at Louisville, and no matter how you know how great of a coach he is, it, it still comes down to this: everyone's on the same, are they on the same side on this one? You cannot convince me he had no idea what was going on with anything. I had right. no idea there were strippers. I had no idea <laughs> that there was cheating and guys were getting paid. Like, really? You have no, it's one thing to say a college football coach has 80 guys to worry about. You have like 15 guys and a few assistants. You have no idea what's going on at all. Come on. Yeah. Well, and as you tweeted, and it's, it's appropriate, uh, with Louisville's house in complete disarray imploding, Bobby Petrino is the one left standing who had that. And now Petrino's name may be a hot item uh, for a job again because reportedly in his contract, if Tom Jurich is no longer the athletic director for whatever reason, his buyout drops dramatically by like 75%. So uh, who knows if Petrino isn't on his way back into the SEC as he was at one point with Arkansas if he sticks around there. Uh, at least when we start talking college football here uh, in a little bit. want to tell the fans, too, that in addition to Kevin's insight and his underdog prognostication, we will be joined a little bit later on in Three Dog Thursday by the voice of the L.A. Rams. You mentioned the 49ers and the Rams playing that wild shootout a week ago on Thursday night. J.B. Long is due to be with us here to talk some about the Rams and their 2-1 and one start. They get ready to play the Dallas Cowboys this week. J.B. also does play-by-play on TV of the Pac-12 with the Pac-12 Network. Uh, we got to talk a little Pac-12 football because we saw, for example, Arizona State pull the shocker with Oregon last week. Stanford just bludgeoned UCLA. So I'm anxious to talk with JB about both of those. So JB on with TJ later on on Three Dog Thursday. But for now, Kevin Rogers is here with me, and we're going to talk some college football. 
just uh, as a general comment or two uh, here from the Wild Games uh, the other night, uh, how about Penn State pulling things out uh, in Iowa City there against the Hawkeyes? Last-second touchdown pass for McSorley on basically the final play of the game to help Penn State stay undefeated. Uh, we saw some other programs. I mean, Alabama annihilated Vanderbilt. I, I hinted at maybe taking the Commodores in the 18.5 points. As we've learned, Kevin, with Nick Saban, not a good idea, right? I mean, just stay away in most cases from Alabama, right? Well, I think it's a couple things about Alabama game. Number one, Vandy's obviously improved. And, you know, they're a nice team, but nice doesn't beat Alabama. I mean, you, you need to be a stud team, and they're not in the same – they're in the same league as Alabama. They, they really aren't. And when Alabama – yeah, I'm not going to say they snuck by Colorado State. That wasn't the case. But when they weren't pretty beating Colorado State, that you're laying three touchdowns on the road with Alabama, who cares if it's on the road? You know, I mean, Alabama, I don't think they do what they did to Vanderbilt, holding them to like 80-something yards and winning 59 to nothing. But I think we, we take too much into account of, oh, well, they're laying that many points on the road. So what? This is college football. It's in the NFL. You know, these teams, doesn't matter where they play, it's just a class difference. Now, when you talk about Penn State, even though they didn't cover against Iowa, they're now 12-2 and two against the spread their last 14. So it's pretty impressive, you know, covering numbers for James Franklin and the Nittany Lions, and obviously a big win for them. I mean, you look at the Big Ten, and, you know, Penn State won it last year, and they're putting themselves in a position to do it again. They right now have the Heisman favorite in Saquon Barkley. So, yeah, I mean, that that's a win that uh, Penn State uh, – got on the road we know that Iowa's was not an easy place to play we saw them trip up michigan last year at home but uh for penn state uh, they keep moving along they get indiana this weekend and uh you know we'll see if they can keep it going well and we saw a couple of examples the alabama game would be one and i obviously failed miserably with mississippi state and georgia is georgia done scoring on mississippi state is nick fitzgerald done throwing interceptions kevin for mississippi state in that game in athens i think it's probably finally about over with so I was way off on that prediction. But I think in both of those games, maybe you could even make the argument in the NC State-Florida State game that in all three of those, you saw an early big play that was almost like a Mike Tyson first-round knockout punch. When Georgia hit Mississippi State with the flea flicker, I don't know that the Bulldogs really recovered from that. From from then on, I know you got a whole game to play, but psychologically, emotionally, it damaged them. When you, when you saw Alabama traipse right down the field and Bo Scarborough ripped off a long touchdown run, it looked like uh, it was like Tyson uh, back in the late '80s and the early '90s, just destroying people. Um, you know, not unlike NC State hitting them, uh, Florida State with the big touchdown pass early on in that game. Uh, the Knolls seemed to struggle uh, after that to overcome that. So. Uh, it's sometimes, especially in college football, more so than the veteran, uh, older, uh, paid professional players. Do you buy into this a little bit that you can you can get rattled by a big play and and it leads to your demise? I think much easier, not all the time, but much easier in college. Well, I'm not sure. I mean, Alabama, like I told you before, like I, I mean, if Vanderbilt scored in the first possession, you know, was Alabama going to fold up shop? You know, I just think that. Alabama's that much better than them. I and mean, we look at the other two examples with uh, you know, with NC State against Florida State. Obviously it was a tough spot for the Seminoles, you know, with a new quarterback and, and they haven't played in a few weeks. And NC State's still a good team, so there's nothing to take away from them. But uh yeah, I mean it definitely hurts for Florida State. I think needed some momentum to start that game and they didn't get into playing from behind uh the entire game. And when you look at Mississippi State against Georgia, 
I like Georgia personally. Adam was one of my games on Vegas Insider, and you know, simply because I think a lot of people were high on them after beating LSU, and it was a really good win. But for some reason, I feel like a lot of people are, I don't say down on Georgia, but they're not feeling Georgia at all, where, you know, Georgia and TCU were two teams that were, you know, that took a step back last year, and everyone kind of forgot about them. And they're still really good teams with a lot of talent, and both of them came up with, with resounding conference wins this past weekend. I looked at you know, Mississippi State, you know, they, they play at Auburn this week. I think they'll right the ship a little bit. But, you know, going to Georgia, it just felt like a very tough spot for them. Winning as a home dog, you know, the NFL, I think it's a little easier to win as a home dog and then go on the road and still perform the next week. But I think in college, if you do that, I just feel like there's a major letdown, and that happened to be the case at Mississippi State. Yeah, it did uh, for them, and, uh, yeah, the SEC is a different deal. Uh, that That's for sure. You better be ready. You better strap it up, and you better be ready uh, in those matchups every week because you, you get up for one of those big games, like you mentioned, beating LSU like they did, and if you're not careful, if you're Mississippi State, you'll lose two or three games after that in conference play. So it's that tough of a conference. Okay, so college football on the brain. We are both charged with uh, picking three underdogs simply to cover, if not outright win. Uh, in this case, I am going to go with two different college underdogs. You're going to go with one. Let me begin. And, Kevin, I'm going to begin with Friday night in Pullman, Washington, where the Washington State Cougars will welcome the USC Trojans. USC off the win at Cal uh, last week, and now uh, Washington State off to the unbeaten start this season. Uh, you know, had a magical run last year uh, into late in the year when they had won eight or nine games in a row under Mike Leach. Luke Falk at quarterback. Uh, yes, the Trojans are talented. Yes, they also struggle on defense. They get into a lot of high-scoring games. I know they've got Sam Darnold. They've got the weapons. Uh, on offense, but Luke Falk can sling it for Wazoo. And I actually have a good stat here doing some original research on Three Dog Thursday that for Mike Leach the last two years, they are 8-for-8 at home in Pac-12 games, 8-0, and and they have covered in 7 of the 8. The only game they did not cover was the UCLA game a year ago, and that's a game that they won and they missed covering by a point. Uh, in a seven-point line situation, they only they missed pushing by a point. They won by only six. They have covered either as a home dog or home favorite, obviously, against the spread in the other seven Pac-12 home games over the last two years. A Friday night, it will be jumping at, uh, at Pullman and their small on-campus stadium. I'm not saying that this is going to be of a 17 to 14 game it may end up being 48 to 47 but i think washington state hangs in if not upsets ucla in the primetime game here is your chance to talk me out of how crazy i am to take the cougars in a friday night pac-12 late night special what do you think well it's not about talking you out of it i mean i i feel like washington state is a very popular pick this week against usc i mean my only thing for going against Washington State and taking USC that, uh, you know, USC this year in their non-covers, they came as huge favorites against Western Michigan, against Texas, and in a two-overtime win against Cal. And their only cover came as a short favorite against Stanford, and they blew them out. So I just wonder if now is the week where USC is only laying a few points where maybe you take a shot with them. I mean, obviously this is a time when USC – always lays a lot against Washington State, and now Washington State is coming back to their level, so the number's not as high. But, uh, you know, also the thing that scares me about Washington State, and maybe I'm just reading too much into this, but this is a fifth straight home game, and they're, then they're going on the road after this, that maybe Washington State, I don't know if you're going to have a strong 
you know, effort here after they had a big blowout last week of Nevada at home that, uh, you know, you got to get up again at home. I think somebody's playing at home for that long of time may be a little tough, so good luck. Yeah, we'll see how it goes. Luke Falk, by the way, went over the century mark in touchdown passes for his career, is now third on the all-time Division One list and will probably end up breaking that record later uh, in this year. Uh, we'll see. Mike Leach has definitely got them rolling along. What a hire for Wazoo uh, at this point with the season that they had last year and now with all the hype around this game. We'll see how it goes on Friday night. Again, you may be listening to this show later in the weekend. You may already know uh, that I'm nuts and that Kevin really knows what he's talking about when we start talking about these college games and when we get to the NFL uh, because you already know the results in particular of the college games as the weekend goes on. It is Three Dog Thursday, though, and we're doing it in advance of, uh, of the Friday night game Washington State and USC okay where do you want to go on the college football buffet for your first underdog Kevin Rogers last week I went with Air Force and I lost I'm going to stay in the state of Colorado and I'm going to take the Buffaloes of Colorado they're playing at UCLA on Saturday night last year Colorado beat UCLA as a huge favorite but also Josh Rosen didn't play in that game so you know that was the reason why Colorado probably won but you know Colorado's coming off a blowout loss at home to Washington last week. They haven't had good luck against Washington. They lost them in the Pac-12 championship last year and got blown out this past week. So I think, you know, I think it's easier sometimes to get back on the field after a blowout as opposed to a close loss because there's something really to feel sorry about because you just didn't play well. So now you just move on to the next week. And Colorado, you know, they've been a pretty good road underdog, at least last year, you know, in routes to make into the Pac-12 championship game meanwhile for ucla they're coming off back-to-back road games here and you know for ucla losing to memphis and losing to stanford now you got to come back home where under or at least last few years under jim mora 11 16 and 1 ats as a favorite so they don't profit when they're laying points and they should have lost the texas a and game to start the season I don't know. This team is not good defensively. I think it's hard to lay points here, and I think they're going to focus Colorado team this week. Oh, and they gave up a ton of rushing yards to Stanford in that blowout in 58 points, and Texas A&M ran all over them as well in the opening game. That's what makes you wonder if Colorado for Mike McIntyre can't do the same thing in that matchup. So you'll go Pac-12 as well, but with the Colorado Buffaloes, I, there's no East Coast bias here. We're going to keep looking at West Coast games. I'm going to go late night, Saturday night, in a showdown with the Mountain West uh, going against the MAC with, uh, in this case, San Diego State, a darling right now in the top 25. Everybody's trying to figure out who's going to crash maybe the New Year's Day bowl games out of the non-Power 5 conferences. Um, the group of five, as, they've no- as they're known, the conferences that include the American, the Sun Belt, Conference USA, uh, Mountain West, and the MAC. These are two teams that, that maybe would be in that mix. Remember, Northern Illinois played in a bowl game uh, years ago against Florida State as the group of six. San Diego State might be the party crasher. They won that game with Air Force that you rest, uh, referenced last Saturday night. They now get set to host the Northern Illinois Huskies undefeated. And Northern Illinois off the win against Nebraska. This is interesting, Kevin. They defeat Nebraska two weeks ago, then had a bye week before playing this game. Uh, coming in right now at two and one, I know Rashad Penny is an outstanding runner, but Northern Illinois good on the ground. Kevin, they have held their previous three opponents, including Nebraska, to under three yards a carry in each of the three games. They did lose to Boston College in a close game at home, held them down rushing, won the next two. In all three cases, the opponent 
had trouble running the football. I don't know that Rashad Penny's going to have a big day trying to run it. I'm going to go Northern Illinois to keep it close, if not win. I'll take the 11 points on Three Dog Thursday, late night Saturday night in San Diego against the Aztecs, the unbeaten top 25 Aztecs. Give me Northern Illinois on Three Dog Thursday. Do you have a a thought on the little guys, whether you're talking about uh, USF maybe being in that mix or somebody else uh, as the non-Power 5 conferences? San Diego State does have a chance to be that team, Kevin. They do. The Mountain West is tough where, you know, there's a lot of teams that could end up winning that conference. So I don't know if anybody's going to come out of that undefeated. And that's what kind of, I don't say scares about the Mountain West, but, you know, Boise's now taking a step back. But you wonder if Colorado State, you know, if a team like that can uh, end up winning the Mountain West. Obviously, you know, it seemed like Wyoming isn't what they were. You know, they've kind of gone a, a few steps back with early losses already this year to Iowa and Oregon. So, I mean, you have a handful of teams in the Mountain West that have a shot. I just don't know if you're going to get anybody undefeated out of there, which means they probably won't get to the Final Four. Yeah, and that's, uh, you know, again, we saw um, another example, Houston out of the American Conference beat uh, Florida State coming in out of the uh, out of the group of six, uh, or the group of five, the uh, New Year's Six Bowl games, getting their opportunity. Boise State for years, speaking of the Mountain West, having an opportunity out of that conference to play against the big boys uh, in these scenarios. So, uh, we'll see if San Diego State can be that team. I just think Northern Illinois gives them a fight late night, Saturday night. No East Coast bias on Three Dog Thursday, Kevin Rogers, because we've got we, we've got three games that we're talking about for college football, all involving Western teams, uh, or at least uh, one team that's in the Pacific time zone. In San Diego State's case, in your game, UCLA with Colorado. Uh, my game, the Friday night Pac-12 game, they, they can't they can't get on us about not caring about teams out west, right? Even though you and I live in the east, we, they can't accuse us of that, right? Yeah, and also there's not that many great games you, know, you look at in the East, so I guess we got to go out west. It's not a it's not a great top heavy uh, week of of big time matchups, but yeah, we do we do go west, young man, on Three Dog Thursday. Kevin, stand by. I look forward to talking with NFL uh, picks and underdogs with you a little bit later on on Three Dog Thursday. Speaking of the West, the L.A. Rams are out west. The L.A. Rams, who are two and one, we will talk to their play by play voice, J.B. Long, a guy that also does Pac-12 Television Network. Speaking of the Pac-12 college football, he will be up on Three Dog Thursday to tell us more about the Rams and their start, and talk a little more about the Pac-12 as we go along it is three dog thursday stay with us three dog thursday brought to you in part by fanplayoff.com play postseason fantasy football like you never have before for free coming this january find out more by going to fanplayoff.com the dogs are barking who will get it done this week Three Dog Thursday now continues. Here again is T.J. Reeves. As we do continue, it is the only digital radio show devoted exclusively to underdogs in college football and the NFL. Love the insight, not only from Kevin Rogers, our senior handicapper from VegasInsider.com, but we've been bringing on special guests. And how about this? Okay, wait a minute. Let me uh, let me take a look here at my at my copious notes. Who had the L.A. Rams leading the NFC West this early in the season? But that is exactly what's going on. And let's call in the voice of the Los Angeles Rams on radio. Good to catch back up with J.B. Long here on on the program. You should know that J.B. and I, past broadcast lives, have been around each other in the Tampa-St. Pete-Clearwater area. 
and JB has gone on to bigger and better things in a major media market with an NFL team. It says more about him and less about me. Good to have you, my friend. Good to talk to you again and talk some football. Well, you lost me about halfway through there. I just got dizzy, but uh, thank you for the kind words, and it's always good to connect with you. We got to do so about this time in person last year. Yeah. I believe it was week three of uh, the NFL schedule, and at that point uh, the Rams had not yet scored a touchdown, so now they're leading the NFL in scoring average. Go figure. Yeah, what, let, what a difference a year makes. Let's go Let's go right into that because the Rams go and hire the youngest coach in the NFL and, and Sean McVay, the former offensive coordinator of the Redskins. They go full-time now with Jared Goff to start the season. You're a great one to ask. What's the difference been at the start of the year, JB? Everything. Absolutely everything. I think it starts up front. Uh, the play that they're getting at left tackle has to be the biggest upgrade at any position in the National Football League. Going from Greg Robinson, uh, who they shipped out to Detroit, uh, to Andrew Whitworth, who's been an all-pro, has completely locked down the blind side for Jared Goff, so he's been able to stand more comfortably in the pocket. Uh, that, in turn, has uh, helped Todd Gurley, both in the running game and in the checkdown game. Uh, trading for Sammy Watkins gives this offense a true number one threat. Robert Woods far more reliable as uh, a number two. And Cooper Cup looks like one of the steals of the draft right now, operating out of the slot, uh, steady, knows the playbook forward and backwards, rarely if ever drops anything. Uh, the tight end Gerald Everett dynamic down the seam, even though he was uh, banged up and didn't give uh, 100% against San Francisco. But anyways, uh, all that to say that everything orbiting around Jared Goff is night and day better and add to the fact that suddenly they have a ton of NFL coaching experience with quarterbacks surrounding him, not just McVay, uh, but Matt LaFleur who worked with Matt Ryan last season in Atlanta. Uh, Greg Olson, who we know from our time in Tampa Bay has worked with a lot of great quarterbacks, including Derek Carr. Uh, They've just added a ton of firepower, both mentally and physically on offense. And also to give Jared Goff credit for going to work because he has improved, you know, in a vacuum, he is better alone, and everything around him is stronger as well. Hey, on that point, uh, Sean McVay obviously worked closely with Kirk Cousins. You mentioned Greg Olson as the quarterback coach. Sometimes it can be simple things like your footwork, like your quick release. I know uh, in watching that Thursday night game uh, last week on NFL Network, Chris Collinsworth, they kept showing Jared Goff's feet. They kept showing his release time. Sometimes it's subtle little simple things in your mechanics that can improve you, and has that, has, is that a big reason why we're seeing improvement at least early on in the early sample here for golf and the Rams offense? Totally. Yeah, he's better mechanically, and here's another area in which he's better and more comfortable. Taking a snap under center, something he rarely if ever did in high school and college, uh, transitioning from the bear raid at Cal to an NFL huddle for the first time. He was a bit of a fish out of water. Uh, but in the running game, especially this benefits Todd Gurley, being able to start eight yards deep and have another beat to make your read at the line of scrimmage, they're running more outside zone because Jared can take more snaps under center and they don't have to gun run it as much, which was detrimental, I think, to Todd's uh, performance on the ground last year. It, it, like I said, it really is everything. Uh, fundamentals, footwork, confidence, scheme, personnel, it's all been upgraded year to year. Uh, yeah, and the uh, the Rams got off to that start against the Indianapolis Colts with the early pick six. Actually, had two of those to blow the Colts out in Week One uh, at the Coliseum. You know, there's there's no substitute for starting fast in terms of belief and building confidence. I know we're early. We're not even right now through the quarter pole here of the first part of the season, but that kind of a start. 
establishing confidence again you're you're around this team all the time as you were last year how much did that help to have that big of a win early a ton i mean you know winning the games you're supposed to win is no certainty in this league it just doesn't happen that way but the rams have done it twice they've beaten the colts at home and they've beaten san francisco on the road those were games they should win on paper their rosters are better they were healthier and they, they were able to do it, one in blowout fashion, one in uh, near giveaway fashion. And then they competed from behind, trailing 13 points against a Washington team that is a viable postseason candidate. So, you know, I, I just think win or lose, the Rams are competitive in more games. And I think they go into each week knowing that if they execute their game plan and if they field a healthy roster, there's no reason to believe they shouldn't have success against any team on their schedule, including the Dallas Cowboys this weekend. He's a play-by-play voice for the L.A. Rams. I'm going to talk some Pac-12 football with J.B. Long in just a moment. It is Three Dog Thursday. All right, fun one for you, being in Los Angeles and in and around this team. What is that like with the glitz, the glamour of Hollywood, the competitiveness in the sports consciousness that involves the Lakers, the Dodgers, the Clippers, the, the Angels? I'm going to probably leave somebody out. The L.A. Kings, USC football, UCLA basketball. Uh, now the L.A. Chargers are there, too, having moved from San Diego. What What is it like to be in and around all of this in the number two market in the country with an NFL team like you are? As you described, it's congested. It's just like the traffic on the 405. And look at the home schedule so far for the Rams. They played back-to-back to open in weeks one and two at the Coliseum, and both times USC played. Uh, the afternoon or the evening before them on the Saturday. And so even the Coliseum crew working overnight to get the field transition from Pac-12 and college football to NFL uh, and Rams football has been a real hustle. Uh, I think the game against Texas uh, that went to overtime and USC won on a game-winning field goal finished about 945 local time. Uh, And so they they weren't clear off the field until 1030. And the Rams had to turn around and be on the field for warm-ups about 12 hours later. So uh, that's just kind of one example of, like I said, how congested it is in the sports marketplace out here. Lonzo Ball and the Lakers trying to pursue LeBron James is a massive story, not just here locally, but across the NBA spectrum. The Dodgers uh, are north of 100 wins. There's a ton going on. Thankfully, most of it is good. And uh, it's a competitive landscape right now as the Chargers at 0-3 are finding out. Yeah, no doubt about that. Hey, and as you, uh, as I mentioned, you also work Pac-12 football, and you should know that right before you came on, I'm touting Washington State, speaking of USC, to hang with, if not beat, uh, USC as part of Three Dog Thursday on Friday night. Again, if you're listening to us after that, I, I love saying it this way, JB, you already know how foolish I am or how intelligent I am to have made that pick if you're hearing us later in the weekend, because that's a Friday night game. You've worked some Pac-12 football so far, seen some teams like Colorado, like UCLA uh, early on in the year. Those two teams are actually playing uh, each other on Saturday. Give me an assessment of, uh, of the Pac-12. U- USC is obviously the marquee team, but I'll put the buffet in front of you. What else stands out out of the Pac-12 working some early games? Yeah, I think uh, USC's got a real test because they've, they've had to get up week after week after week, and even going to Cal is kind of a sneaky good challenge for them. Cal previously undefeated last week, and now on a short week to go to the Palouse, to go to Pullman for a Friday night game, strange things happen in Pullman every year. Every year something weird happens in Pullman in the Pac-12. Might this be the weekend? Uh, we shall see. But it's definitely a daunting task for a USC squad that's banged up a little bit. I think uh, the Pac-12 right now is top-heavy. 
And that's not necessarily a bad thing because in recent years we've seen incredible parity and that's kind of chipped away and handed the top teams a loss or two, which has dropped them in the playoff framework. Uh, as you know, if you can run the table in a Power 5 league, chances are you are punched. Your ticket is stamped to the college football playoff. So USC has that opportunity. Washington State still has that opportunity with a nice top 25 ranking. And UW, which was there a year ago, certainly has that opportunity. So uh, if the rest of the league is somewhat down, if the middle class and definitely the basement is not as strong top to bottom as it has been in the Pac-12, that actually could serve the likes of USC, Washington State, and UW well because they are less likely to stub their toe in a place like Corvallis or Tucson. Well, the one thing we learned last year is Colorado had the biggest turnaround really in modern uh, NCAA Division football, NCAA Division One football, where they went from a 10-loss team to being a 10-win team and made their way into the Pac-12 title game. So anything can truly happen. I know you're going to work, what, Colorado and Arizona coming next weekend after working the mm-hmm. game with Dallas this week. You're going to see Colorado and Arizona next week, correct, in Pac-12 action? Yeah, and Colorado's got one of the best receiving cores and I think a really good quarterback, uh, but they were beaten on their home field last week against that Washington team. So this will be a really tricky test for them to come to Southern California and play a desperate UCLA program under Jim Moore right now that's also licking its wounds. Uh, so I'm curious to see how the Buffs respond because if they're able to get a road win at UCLA, uh, then they really have a chance to continue to build on what they established last year, which, as you said, was uh, a worst-to-first kind of scenario nearly. Yeah, they did a great job. And by the way, I don't know this, have you been before inside of AT&T Stadium Jerry's World for any reason, including potentially a Cowboys game, to see that place? Or will this be the first time that you're seeing it broadcasting the Rams game coming Sunday? Yeah, I have seen it a couple of times. It's been a few years, and it's been for college environments, bowl games and whatnot down there in Dallas. So I have not called a NFL game there yet, uh, which I'm very much looking forward to, uh, especially given the state of the Rams currently, a really good opportunity for them to go on the road. They've had the long week because they played Thursday night in week three, whereas Dallas played Monday night uh, just a couple of years ago. So uh, I think from a health and preparation standpoint, it should be advantage Rams. Uh, and the other thing I'm looking for in that one, if you're talking about uh, the underdog standpoint, is I wonder how amped the Cowboys are going to be to see the Rams. I'm not sure the Rams necessarily command the brand name uh, respect, uh, even though they are 2-1. and one. And the Cowboys are coming off Monday Night Football against Arizona. And then behind the Rams is a rematch of last year's devastating home playoff loss to Aaron Rodgers and the Packers. So i got to think they and their fan base are thinking of avenging that at AT&T next week. I don't know if this qualifies as a trap game, but maybe they're ah, just a step slow against the Rams this ah, week. Listen to JB Long. bigger games on paper. I love it with J.B. Long here, the little sandwich game in between Monday Night Football and the Packers. And, yeah, I mean, uh, obviously you got to try to get up every week in the NFL for every different reason. and. Uh, It should be quite the test. And for the fans that have not been, having been in there for NFL games, having been in there for the college football playoff championship game, for Final Fours, etc., 
uh, the fact that it has a, a massively long scoreboard almost from one 20-yard line to the other on both sides, the fact that, J.B., it has a car dealership in the third level in one end zone, there's a Ford mm-hmm. car dealership in the end zone, it is some kind of place to go do a game, and that's where J.P. JP will be broadcasting this weekend for uh, Rams and Cowboys. Listen, a treat to talk to you. Continued uh, success with your endeavors there, working with the Rams on the radio and the Pac-12 TV network. We'll be watching you there as well. Thank you for spending a little bit of time with me talking about the Rams in Southern California and Pac-12 on Three Dog Thursday, sir. Glad to have an excuse to uh, catch up with you and team initials. Have a good one. There we go. There is J.B. Long. We continue. It is Three Dog Thursday. Three Dog Thursday brought to you in part by FanPlayoff.com. Play postseason fantasy football like you never have before for free coming this January. Find out more by going to FanPlayoff.com. Who are this week's top dogs in pro and college football? We are back on Three Dog Thursday. We are back in. It is Three Dog Thursday, the only digital radio show devoted exclusively to underdogs in both college football and the NFL. Our thanks again to J.B. Long being with us from the L.A. Rams radio broadcast. I love uh, his insight as the Rams get set to take on the Dallas Cowboys. Who'd have thought that that would be a a marquee-type matchup this weekend? But it is, in fact, going to be uh, the case. So we thank him for being here. We're going to call back in Kevin Rogers, Senior Handicapper, VegasInsider.com. We've got an NFL slate in front of us. We should make mention again for the second time here in the program that Kevin has uh, been having quite success right now in the National Football League, including riding the Buffalo Bills the last couple of weeks uh, to victory. As, uh, As I look back here, you had the Bills last week who get the outright win over the Denver Broncos. You had them the week before against the Carolina Panthers. Does he dare take the Bills again this week? It's time to find out. It's time to make some NFL underdog predictions. Kevin, which way do you want to go to start us off? Well, I'm not going to go with the Bills for a third straight week. I'm jumping off that bandwagon, even though I can see them hanging with the Falcons. But I'm just, for for our show, I'm just not going to take it. Gotcha. But I'm going to take another interconference matchup, though. Like that segue, I'm going to take the... Carolina Panthers, they are at New England to take on the Patriots. Now, this is a rematch of the Super Bowl from 2003. Obviously, you know, Brady is the only one left. I mean, no one else is left from that, uh, from those teams. But uh, when you look at the Carolina Panthers, they've struggled offensively. There's no question about that. But at the same time, you're getting them as an underdog for the first time this season. They were favorites the first three weeks. They didn't play well against the Saints last week. You look at New England on the flip side. And for New England, their defense has been shredded. Deshaun Watson, I mean, even, you know, as a rookie, did his part to give New England fits, and the Patriots, by all rights, probably lost that game last week. But Brady threw that touchdown at the end, and they end up winning. And Carolina, 5-2 and two against the spread the last two seasons as a dog. And I just think that, not say Cam Newton's going to break out this week because he hasn't played well, but I just think you got to take advantage of Carolina now getting some points against New England where, you know, the Patriots, they are 2-1 and one so far, and they really shredded New Orleans two weeks ago. But, you know, they weren't that great this past week against the Houston Texans. And I think that Carolina could maybe catch New England here and hang around. Well, I know you went against the uh, the Patriots a couple of weeks ago and uh, against the New Orleans Saints. And Tom Brady now has already thrown for 1,000 yards in four games uh, so far this season. He's the only NFL quarterback to get to that point through the first four games 
uh, of this year. Hey, but they needed all of it last week with the Texans. What's going on real quick, and this may be one of the reasons why you like Carolina to hang with uh, the Patriots. What's going on with New England's defense? Does it have any hope of getting any better? Because Deshaun Watson was putting it on them last week, and, and the Patriot defense, despite the victories, Patriot defense not good, especially against the pass. No, and we saw back in week one against the Chiefs, Alex Smith had a couple long touchdown passes, and even right. Drew Brees did the same with the Saints. So, you know, they're, they're getting killed on some of those long passes. And granted, Houston had a pick six last week from Jadavion Clowney, you know, which obviously is not, you know, going against New England's defense. But, you know, right now they're just not playing well. They have to go into shootouts with these teams. And, and Brady's putting up great numbers, and he's got Gronkowski, he's got Brandon Cooks. But, you know, at the same time for, for Carolina, I mean, the key for them is, I mean, they're still good defensively, but if Cam Newton can kind of get it together, then I think Carolina can come back and, and at least be a force in that NFC South behind Atlanta, who right now is playing very well. And, and you, know, you could say if they lucked out last week against Detroit in that last second, the Golden Tate touchdown that was called off the board. But you know, Carolina's not out of it, but, you know, they got to start. I mean, they're 2-1, and one, but they got to get that offense going. And, uh, you know, the first two weeks they ended up playing – you know, San Francisco is not great offensively. Buffalo, you know, who's a little limited offensively, you know, they're good running the ball, not great passing the ball. You know, Carolina's going to be tested this week, and, and we'll see if they can take advantage of that New England defense. All right, so that is your first underdog, taking the Carolina Panthers, who won without scoring a touchdown in last week's game. Got to try to get something going on. Or actually, they won two weeks ago without scoring a touchdown, then really struggled uh, at home with the Saints. See if Carolina can get it back together. Speaking of getting it together, uh, the New York Jets last week, th- this may arguably be the worst team in the NFL between they and Cleveland. They put it together against the Miami Dolphins. I know I don't have to tell Kevin this because Kevin is part of the Dolphins radio broadcast. The Jets uh, dominated, really, for that game. It shut out the Dolphins all the way to the final minute of the game at 20 to nothing before Miami put a meaningless touchdown down on the final play of the game. Uh, in seeing that game... I was impressed by a couple of things. Number one, Josh McCown, the veteran, who I got to know a little bit from his uh, one season that he played with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in 2014. Josh is well-traveled. Uh, he has now won as a starting quarterback in six different locations. No, Kevin, we're not going to ask you or the audience to come up with the six different teams that Josh McCown has started and won an NFL game for. That was the sixth, though, last Sunday, winning one with the J-E-T-S, Jets, Jets, Jets. Uh, he showed great composure. They they hit the long bomb pass to Robbie Anderson. They can run the ball a little bit, although Matt Forte is kind of questionable. The second component is the defense, and Todd Bowles is a defensive guy running that 3-4. They stymied Miami's run game. They frustrated Jay Cutler. Very impressive for the Jets. And now I look at this matchup with the Jacksonville Jaguars, who, yes, they won huge, unexpectedly huge, against Baltimore last week in London. But the Jags don't get the bye week coming all the way back transatlantic to come back home to then travel to play the New York Jets, and the Jets stay at home. Back-to-back games at home, a huge advantage, I think, for New York in this game. It puzzles me that Jacksonville is favored. Again, you guys do this for a living at Vegas Insider and with the different lines uh, that are out there. But when I saw this, it surprised me that Jacksonville would be a road favorite, I guess, the uh, the the books the the uh, the odds makers really like their two huge wins over Tennessee on the road and this neutral field win in London against Baltimore as an indicator for Jacksonville. I I just think the Jets. I like them here at home, getting a Jacksonville team that may be leg weary after traveling to London, coming back home, and then traveling later this weekend to New York. J E T S Jets 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 baby. 
Give me, give me New York and the three and a half points against the Jaguars. Are you believing in the Jaguars right now with these two blowout wins that they have? Do you believe in them? No. I mean, that was a really good win over Baltimore, but now for them to do it again, maybe ask me a lot, not to say I have 100% faith in the Jets, but you know, Jets have a little bit of confidence after beating the Dolphins last week, and like you said, they were made at home where Jacksonville has a lot of traveling, and now they're laying points all of a sudden. They were a dog against the Ravens. Now they're laying points against the Jets. I I don't know if I trust Jacksonville. Well, and again, uh, New York could be in a position where a lot of people were looking at them saying, okay, they're vying to be the number one overall pick, and who's that going to end up being? They may now be 2-2 two and two if they find a way to win this game with Jacksonville. And again, Blake Bortles looked really good last week. Leonard Fournette has something to do with that. But he looked really good in Week 1 and then was bad in Week 2 in their home loss to the Titans. This may be a Jekyll and Hyde thing again. He looks really good in London, goes against that Jets 3-4 and looks bad. Looks like Blake Bortles again. Let's find out. I will take New York. It is Three Dog Thursday. There is still a game to go here in the NFL. One game for uh, Kevin Rogers to predict. Which way do you want to head in the National Football League, Kevin? I'm going to go with the Oakland Raiders at Denver. And the Raiders were just a disappointment last week at Washington. Simple as that. I think everyone would tell you that. They looked horrible. And now, you know, they go back on the road again this week to face a Broncos team that comes back home after losing at Buffalo. So both these teams coming off a loss. And, you know, obviously the loser is going to be 2-2 two and two after this week. And if the Chiefs win Monday against Washington, then all of a sudden now you're back two games after the first quarter of the season. So, Big game for both these teams. The Raiders dominated the Broncos last year at home. In the finale, when they played in Week 17, Derek Carr was hurt, and it just wasn't a good representation of what the Raiders were. They just were in trouble with Carr out, and they lost in their first-round playoff game to the Texans. So you kind of throw that game out. But uh, for Trevor Simeon, his numbers weren't very good against Buffalo last week after he was great against Dallas. When they played Dallas, they were home dog. Now you're flipping it and you're a home favorite. Jack Del Rio's actually been a very good road underdog in his career as the coach of the Raiders, 11-3 and against the spread, including a cover against Tennessee back in week one in that outright win. I just think the Raiders here, I think they bounce back, they get it together and beat the Broncos. Hey, and I don't mean to go down the rabbit hole for 30 minutes to debate the whole national anthem stuff and kneeling for the anthem and all of this and that. And, and no matter what your viewpoints are, I think that we can all agree the discussion is not a bad thing. To have discussion, now you can talk about whether it's disrespecting the flag, and that, but at least we're having discussion about it. Okay, that aside, from a football standpoint, we saw the Steelers stay back in the locker room except for the offensive lineman Alejandro Villanueva uh, standing in kind of the tunnel in the in the walkway there doing the anthem. We, we saw also uh, the Seahawks and the Titans both stay off the field and stay in the locker room during the national anthem. In, in both of those games, the Steelers and the two teams, the Seahawks and the Titans, did not play well at the beginning of the game. The Raiders didn't play well really at all in the first half, and I know they were, there were a lot of their players very upset with the president's comments and with the protests. I, I wonder, how much do you buy into that so much was made of the anthem protest and the buildup that especially in the Raiders' case, by the time we got to Sunday night, they were a bit distracted. Take nothing away from Washington whipping them and eventually winning the game, but the Raiders clearly didn't look like the Raiders throughout that first half like they were a bit distracted, a bit off. Kevin, again, your opinion. Do you buy that? Do you buy what I'm selling, that it, it hampered some of those teams that maybe paid too much attention to the whole anthem thing? No. No, I'll tell you why. Because, you know, this always goes back to 
when players play under adversity, it's like going into the game, maybe once they get started, they're focused, you know, and the Redskins outplayed and the Raiders still went cross country for a Sunday night game against a good team in a ruckus atmosphere. Uh, you know, obviously the Steeler thing was a bit perplexing because it seemed like now that Ben Roethlisberger said, you know, there was confusion there and I don't know if everybody was on the same page, but you know, they lost that game in overtime to Chicago. I mean, they win that game, what's being said. And even when you look at Tennessee and Seattle, what happened with that, and they kind of explode in the second half in that game. Right. Seattle's played lousy this whole season, you know? So I'm not going to say, well, the Seahawks have been great and they just weren't focused. They've been terrible through the first three weeks. And, you know, you go back to that whole prior to 2008 or 2009, these guys never were on the sidelines until the Department of Defense paid all that money to get them out there. So these guys were used to for a long time, never being out there. And I understand it was different when they weren't out there and they didn't have the president talking about them. Right. You know, it wasn't the same thing. But, you know, I, I'm all for, I know you say you don't want to get into all of it, but just to make a point. Please. You know, I'm fine with them doing what they need to do because they're not, they're, it's peaceful, it's fine. You know, they do that before the game and they move forward. But, I really don't think that Baltimore, because they all kneeled and Ray Lewis was there before the game, they just played terrible. They just didn't play well. And Jacksonville played well. Like, it's – things happen, you know. And I think something like that where the entire – you know what it is? When the entire league was affected, I can't pick and choose. If it's one team that's affected, then you say, oh, well, maybe they, they were thrown up. Everybody was affected by it. So what happened with the, all the other teams that – did that or kneeled on the sidelines and they won. So I can't go there because I think the entire league was affected. I like that point. And again, one more on this. We we dealt with this in the state of Florida. Again, Kevin is in South Florida. I'm in West Central Florida. We dealt with this with Hurricane Irma. And in the two NFL teams' cases, the Dolphins and the Buccaneers had an unscheduled bye week, had no game, had to disperse, had to evacuate because the hurricane had to come back, had to try to refocus. Uh, I don't know that either team really could focus that well the week leading up to practice, uh, leading up to their first games, and yet both won their first game. Uh, the Bucks beating the Bears badly at home, and the Dolphins finding a way to win at L.A. against the Chargers. So they put the distraction behind them, which is more to your point. It did affect two specific teams in that instance, and both teams came through. My only point, again, one more on this, is they didn't play that well at the beginning. Yes, the, the Steelers got the game to, to overtime, but they were awful for a lot of that first half. The Raiders, say what you want about the opponents now, the Bears, the Redskins, the Raiders were bad for a lot of Sunday night. They did not look like the Raiders. And you just wonder, was some of that... The disruption of the football, very much a routine thing, very much routine on when you practice, how you warm up, what you do, what how you go through, do the same thing over and over again, especially if you're succeeding. You just wonder if, if some of that uh, didn't seep in at the beginning. I agree. Once you continue to play the game, it's over and done with. You adjust. They're professionals. We'll see. All right, so there you go. Uh, there's We're off the soapbox on the political stuff. We'll see if the anthem stuff continues. We do know what will continue is the great information that you're going to find, and Kevin's going to tell you more about it with VegasInsider.com. Go ahead, sir. Yeah, absolutely. We continue moving forward. October is a very busy month uh, coming up. We have the baseball playoffs, NHL starts, the NBA starts in a few weeks, and then obviously NFL and college football. So it's extremely busy right now at Vegas Insider, and you can catch all the latest odds on all the games and all the previews for college football and the NFL, and we'll start to get 
our uh, you know NBA look ahead already. The win totals out for all the NBA teams. You can take a look at that with all the movement in the off season, and uh, just it's a place to be. And right now, it's a great time to you know to watch sports and wager on sports. You know, October is such a busy month that you can check us out twenty four seven on Twitter at TwitBI, and of course at VegasInsider.com. And again, follow him at VI Rogers. Follow this show at Three Dog Thursday. We remind you from our friends at RadioInfluence.com that you can go and find this show there. You can find this show on iTunes or on Stitcher. In particular, on iTunes, rate this show. Uh, tell everybody how good it is, how much you enjoy the underdog selections in college football and the NFL. The more that you rate the show, the more the, st- the show will get noticed. So check that out uh, via iTunes. So however you're finding the show, thank you for doing so. Find out more at 3DogThursday.com or on the Twitter handle at 3DogThursday. Also the hashtag 3DogThursday. We like getting some of the some of the fans have been making some predictions with the hashtag 3DogThursday or sending them in at 3DogThursday. Send those on as the weekend goes on. No matter if you're listening early in the weekend, on Saturday or on Sunday, Sunday, the show comes out every Thursday from our friends at RadioInfluence.com. Again, Kevin has got the Colorado Buffaloes in college football against UCLA, going with Carolina against the Patriots, the Raiders against the Broncos. I took Washington State on Friday night. Again, if you're listening to the show later in the weekend, you may know how smart I am for Washington State against USC or how dumb I was. Northern Illinois, I like them at San Diego State Saturday night, late night, and give me the J-E-T-S, Jets, 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 against Jacksonville on Sunday for those underdogs. Uh, also, thank you to J.B. Long, the voice of the L.A. Rams, uh, calling that game with the Cowboys coming on Sunday for being with us on this edition of Three Dog Thursday. Kevin, thank you. Enjoy the weekend of college and NFL football. When we talk to you again, it will be October. We look forward to it, sir. All right, T.J., thank you. There is Kevin Rogers, Senior Handicapper Vegas Insider. I'm T.J. Reeves, and make sure that you're with us next week for the only digital radio show that is focused exclusively on underdogs. It's Three Dog Thursday. Bye. This is the Landry Football with Chris Landry. Quick Fix on Radio Influence. Clemson-Louisville. Well, didn't we tell you that this game would likely be a blowout in Clemson's favor? Why? Louisville just does not have a good team around Lamar Jackson. And Lamar Jackson, as great as he is, he's a one-man show, he's athletic, but he is not very effective making plays from the pocket. Not everybody can control him. So when plays break down, he can extend drives, make plays, help them score points, and all of a sudden it can camouflage a weak Louisville defense. Well, against Clemson, a very athletic defense, if you can keep Lamar Jackson in the pocket, he's not going to be as effective. He's not going to be very accurate. He's not going to get the ball out on time. And all of a sudden the big plays are not there. And if they're not there, then they have nothing to hang their hat on. Um, Not a surprise at all that the game went exactly like I thought it would. And that's really how you beat Lamar Jackson in Louisville. Chris Landry brings you Landry football every week on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Google Play, and, of course, RadioInfluence.com.